1: from the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. we got a big hour, and I'm going to get right to it. Zach Wood's going to be joining us, one of the great thinkers. Uh, he, he's going to be talking about with that shooting, that horrific shooting in Georgia, as well as what's happening with Democrats as they try to mount and rally around as a, as a Democrat himself and try to rally around Joe Biden. Uh, meanwhile, we got Peter Navarro standing by as well as Senator Rick Scott in about 12 minutes. And I just got to tell you, we're going to be talking about the rescue package Democrats want to put out there as a wish list. Republicans say it's DOA. We're going to talk state by state. So many are rebelling from Illinois to Michigan uh, to Philadelphia, excuse me, to Pennsylvania, to California against their governors who are just holding this uh, economy back way too uh, uh, way too strongly play, being way too timid, and we're also going to be talking about this unmasking controversy. But I want to bring in Peter Navarro now. He's assistant to the president for trade and manufacturing, and we know the president is uh, traveling today to Pennsylvania uh, to the uh, Owens and Minor plant where they where they manufacture PPE. Uh, Peter, welcome back.
2: Hey Brian, uh, great to be with you this morning, and uh, it's going to be a great trip to the beautiful. Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania today for the president.
4: Where you're going to Allentown, so going to that area, and you're trying to highlight this medical equipment uh, distributor. Uh, why was it important for you guys to go there?
2: The uh, trip today, I think, uh, if, you, if you look back on what happens today, uh, years from now, you'll see this as a historic event because what we're going to do today is announce uh, the Strategic National Stockpile 2.0. Essentially, um, if we go look at the history of where we are now uh, back in November, China spawned the virus. they hit it for several months, allowed it uh, to be unleashed on the in the world as a pandemic. and at that point, uh, we were faced with a with a public emergency that had to draw on the existing FEMA stockpile that we had inherited from the previous administration. The uh, president, FEMa HHS. Did a great job, um, basically stitching together the response. It was great um, in, in terms of uh, what we did, but the lessons learned, Brian, is we got to do this better as we prepare for a possible second wave in the fall. So let me explain what the new stockpile concept looks like. It, it's um, it's smart. It's going to be robust. It's going to be less vulnerable. What I mean by that. Um, first of all, uh, SMART, it's going to have a, a whole new information technology overlay that will help with the coordination and distribution. More bo- robust, this is really the secret sauce here because we're not only going to have a lot more in the stockpile in terms of quantities as well as diversity of what's actually in right. there. Uh, we also are going to leverage different ways of increasing our effective stock stockpile. What do I mean by that? If you take Owens and Minor, one of the reasons why we went there today, that's a distributor. Like we got Cardinal, we got McKesson, the Marisource Bergen. These are the, the nodes, the distribution nodes that then take the material to the hospitals and other points of care. So we're going to have the distribution centers maintain larger inventories that builds a more effective stockpile. Um, it, it's important to me and the president, as we build our domestic capacity to, to make our PPE and medicines, we're also going to have key companies that we're going to invite to have um, excess capacity, essentially reserve capacity, that we can fire up when we need to meet surge uh, right. demand. and. So that makes it all more robust. Now, the most important thing, Brian, is also less Where Are you going vulnerable. to keep it when we hit this? Keep, uh, keep what? You know, like
4: like when this pandemic is over. A while it is. Are you going to have a certain stockpile kept in a certain area of the country in case this ever happens again, or as this continues to challenge us?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. So, so envision it this way: we've got the existing FEMA stockpiles. But what we're at, we're not only going to make those bigger, but we're also, all our distribution centers are going to maintain larger inventories. The points of care, like hospitals, are going to maintain larger inventories. And here's what's really important from a, from a President Trump point of view. We're going to make it here. When we hit this crisis, Brian, we realized that over half of our PPE and a lot of our medicines are made offshore. That's simply too risky for the american people too risky so what we've been doing over the last several months brian is bring already bringing a lot of that domestic production right here in america so if you've got a factory say that makes n95 masks going forward you can have some additional reserve capacity that's not used on a daily basis but if we have a need a surge demand we can fire that up so you're going to see this this it's it's kind of like a virtual stockpile it's all over the country not not just physically in these warehouses but but virtually with reserve capacity and then higher inventory levels at hospitals uh and um at these distribution centers so sns 2.0 you, strategic right. national stockpile 2.0 so peter uh do you also
4: put under your auspices testing is that is uh, is that something you guys do to scramble uh, tests to
2: these states or aid them in their tests?
3: Uh,
2: of course. And and let me, let me explain um, some of the things I do uh, as the, the Defense Production Act policy coordinator, as well as in my role as the Director of the Office of Trade and Manufacturing Policy. What we're trying to do um, from a DPA point of view, Defense Production Act point of view, is we want to make sure that everything you need for testing we have, And that includes the supply chain. So I remember early on, um, we had a situation where we needed swabs. You know, for want of a swab, a test was lost, uh, all all of Shakespeare. But so what we did uh, in in, in the space of a mere 72 hours, there was 800,000 swabs sitting over in Italy, uh, in the midst of the uh, Italian uh, pandemic crisis, at the height of it, where planes couldn't get in and out easily. So we sent over uh, a air flight uh, over to um, Italy to pick up the swabs. They came back, and with the, with the kind uh, patriotic help of FedEx, we had six FedEx planes meet that military plane on the ground in Memphis, immediately unload the swabs, put them in the FedEx planes, and we got them to six different cities. So that's the kind of right. thing that we need to be able to do. We need swabs. When we get the vaccine, we're going to need you know, things like syringes. We're all, everything's, we're all working on that now uh, in real time. We work 24-7. There's no weekends off for anybody uh admiral paul lovchek is doing a great job we got uh, brett gerard uh we got pete gainer at the head of fema we got people like paul right. mango uh over at hhs we meet regularly so you guys are working we're, well together we're just getting, I got our, getting production in getting our it done your boots on the ground product peter
4: mitch mcconnell was on with lara trump and they were going back and forth and he said one of the problems with this pandemic was uh, that there was no plan in place, so we kind of we had to come up with our own plan. Since that time, today, Washington Post gives three Pinocchios to M- McConnell because there was a forty-page pandemic plan left. What could you tell us about that forty-page plan? Did you ever see it,
2: Brian? I am a conscript in, in the uh, the war against the China virus. My my lane prior to when the pandemic hit, was uh, creating great jobs and helping President Donald J. Trump build what's the most strongest and beautiful economy in history. So no, I, I wouldn't have had occasion uh, to see see that okay. report. But what I can tell you uh, all of the President's trip to the Lehigh Valley today is that we did inherit from the previous administration uh, a stockpile that, ha- that was antiquated And inadequate. And look, this was (laughs) this was the 500-year flood. We hadn't had something like this since the Spanish flu in 1918. It caught uh, caught the world by surprise. And and Brian, let us let the American people never forget: this was a pandemic that did not have to be. This was China, China
4: hiding this virus from the
1: world.
2: Yeah. Which which
4: my last question to you is uh, Newsweek is reporting that uh, China not only told the WHO not to report that this human-to-human transfer of the virus, uh, but also spent that time, when we didn't know, uh, collecting PPE and hoarding it from the rest of the world. Can you confirm that from what you saw?
2: Brian, uh, I, I, uh, I helped Maria Romo break that news on Fox uh, like uh, weeks ago, Based on Chinese customs data uh, that my own office uh, and the U.S. Trade Representative analyzed in micro detail, and nothing could be clearer. China went from a net exporter as one of the largest manufacturers of PPE to a huge net importer. Now, when did they do that? Okay, do the timeline. Spawn the virus probably from that P4 weapons lab in November, hide the virus from December through January, during that time, uh, they basically vacuumed up PPE from everywhere around the world, Latin America, Europe, the United States. And what did that mean, Brian? That was, that, that, I, I don't know if it's like manslaughter, premeditated murder, or worse, but what it meant was the people of Milan, the people in New York, the, the doctors and nurses, our people on the front lines didn't have what they needed as fast as they needed because China had hoarded it. And gotcha. that's just, <laughs> yes. America should never forget. That's a fact. China, the People's Republic of China, Communist China, has inflicted trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of damages and cost tens of thousands of lives around the globe because they hid that virus for two months, used the World Health Organization as a shield to hide and you know what frost me? Brian, Brian, the latest news, they're trying to steal, they're hacking our computers to steal information about a vaccine so they can develop the vaccine first and then use that to pressure the world. I mean, if, if the, the Pew poll that came out, Brian, just, just a couple of weeks ago, basically it said that under Donald Trump's leadership, the people of America understand that China is a major threat, hands down. Full stop. But that poll was taken before, before all of this information has come out about China's role in creating this pandemic. It's just, it's, it's gotcha. just what we need to do, Brian. Peter, what this president's yeah. going to do is bring the jobs home, supply chains home.
4: Peter Navarro, thanks so much. Continue success. Appreciate it. All right, my friend. From the White House, you got it. Meanwhile, when we come back, uh, Senator Rick Scott's here. He is fired up. Because all these states want these handouts, and they didn't have the discipline to rein in their own spending, and now they want our money. Back in a
1: moment. It's Brian Kilmeade.
4: As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue-collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now, Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path.
1: Breaking news. Unique opinions. Hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
6: I think that the decision or realization that it should be done state by state makes sense. But it doesn't mean the states are on their own either. And we need federal legislation. Uh, We need what's called state and local aid. Our state budget, our state economy has suffered. We have a significant funding gap. Uh, and states need assistance. New York.
4: And that is a little of Governor Cuomo going to bat again after he got word that Democrats are proposing and will vote tomorrow on a $3.3 trillion aid budget. We'll give direct, uh, direct money right to the states, spend anywhere you want. Republicans are pushing back on it, especially my next senator, uh, guest who is a longtime governor, eight years at Florida. He's uh, now with the Senate Homeland, uh, Homeland Security and Armed Services Committee. Senator Rick Scott, welcome back, Florida.
7: Hey Brian. Yeah, you know these liberal governors—they just—they don't ever want to live within their means, and they want—they want taxpayers of other states to to pay for their their excesses. We've already given these states all the money to cover their coronavirus expenses. We've given them all their money. We've given them money for K-12 education, for higher education, for health care, for Medicaid, for public transit. But they don't, They want more. I mean, Cuomo, he got elected when I got elected as governor. His budget, with 2 to 3 million people less living in New York than Florida, is almost was almost double mine. He was always mad at me because I would come up to New York. And I talk to companies and say, "Why are you paying those ridiculous taxes and dealing with that ridiculous regulation and by the way, you're going to pay for all those excesses eventually with your taxes?" and they moved, and people moved and so he's still mad at me over that
4: So what, what about the fact that uh, these places don't have any revenue? Maryland has no revenue New York doesn't have any money from the subways doesn't have any money for buses doesn't have uh, anything for any revenue from LaGuardia or Kennedy airport. Um, roads, bridges, cops, firefighters
7: sure step step one is we've given them money for their schools we've given them money for their health care we've given 175 billion dollars to our health care system we're paying for all essential workers through if it's a coronavirus or expense expense we're given that we've already given money to airports we've and on top of that the federal Reserve has a lending facility for our states and our locals of 500 billion dollars now put in perspective for a second we've given them or give them access to over a trillion dollars the state's total revenues on annual basis is barely over a trillion dollars, right? So they just, I mean, they don't want to live within their means. It's as simple as that. They, they just want somebody from another state. Think about Floridians. I have so many people from New York that have moved to Florida and said, I'm sick of what Cuomo's doing. I'm sick of those taxes. I'm sick of the regulation. I'm sick of these ridiculous budgets. And now I live in Florida, and Cuomo wants me now to pay for his expenses again? I mean, there is there is responsibility at the federal level, and by the way, our federal government is in deep trouble. We're going to have twenty six, twenty five, twenty six trillion dollars worth of debt at the end of this year. We're going to have a three to four trillion dollar budget deficit this year. So it's not like we're we're getting all this all the revenues. Our revenues are going to be way down at the federal level. So so who's worried about who's worried about the federal taxpayer, right? Who's going to pay for that? Your kids, your grandkids. Would you ever leave? Right. Who in their right mind would leave this debt for their kids and grandkids?
5: Uh,
4: I hear you. The other thing that they want to do is suspend the SALT tax, where you you can write off your state tax, which is extremely high. Which is uh, so how do you feel about suspending that?
7: Oh, so so they want to they, they want to take care of the rich. I mean, that's all this is. They, they're sick and tired of people leaving their state that have made money. They're productive citizens and they're sick and tired of them leaving because of their taxes. So now they want the federal, they want to go back to where the federal government pays a portion of that basically. How's that fair to other states? If you want to have high taxes, that's your problem. I mean, you, you made that, you made that choice. And so why should Floridians pay for that? I mean, that's wrong. So, so, I mean, think about this. The Democrats say they care about the little guy. No, they're trying to lower taxes on the rich because they're sick and tired of them leaving all these states like California and Illinois.
3: Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60 day trial now at shipstation.com and use the code POD. That's shipstation.com with the code POD.
7: New Jersey and New York because their taxes are so high. Um, and, and why, why would people in other states bail out these pension plans that, that you know, Illinois, I think their pension plan deficit right now shortfall is $137 billion? They don't want to fix it. These guys don't, they don't want to fix anything. You don't want, you and I have to live within our means. Every American has to live within their means, but not state governments of Democrat right. governors. No, we don't live within our means. We want you to pay for us. This is ridiculous.
4: And I think that you should point that out as we get ready for another rescue package. We're up against a break here, center because Illinois is saying the same thing. Maryland is saying the same thing. Uh, they just want direct payments uh, to bail them out. Uh, and the and that's when negotiations, I guess, start. Senator Rick Scott, thanks so much, sir. All right. See you, Brian. All right. 1-866-408-7669. I'll come back and take your calls. A lot to discuss. Got to do a proper big three, but a lot is breaking. We haven't even discussed the unmasking of uh, of Mike Flynn, the outrageous decision uh, by this judge yesterday to extend his pain. Don't move, everybody. Brian Kilmeade
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to (laughs) foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
5: Think about it. You remember we went through this thing called impeachment? They said the President Trump was using the government to go after a political opponent. This is Vice President Biden using the spying powers of the United States to go after a political opponent. He's caught red-handed here. Vice President Biden's caught red-handed eavesdropping on a political opponent's phone
4: calls. That, to me, is alarming. Well, we'll see. I mean, we're jumping to some conclusions. Do I think there's a lot there and they should have done? Absolutely. But just let's take this thing step by step. Yesterday, we found out that multiple members of the Obama administration uh, here and far uh, unmasked Michael Flynn. And I think more are coming. What is unmasking? Unmasking is the process of revealing to certain officials the names of people caught in conversation with foreign nationals. So they'll listen to Ambassador Kislyak or another ambassador, and the American's name is knocked out. And then when they need, if you're a member of the White House, there's a process to finding out who that is if you think security is at risk. But I don't know, and no one's been able to answer to me, is there a written explanation that needs to be submitted electronically or in in your long-form handwriting that says, I need this information revealed? I need someone's privacy breached. So three times James Clapper requested, James Comey once Dennis McDonough, the chief of staff, January 5th, four uh, four times the U.S. ambassador to Italy. Wow. Isn't Joseph Mifsud, who's the one who debriefed and befriended in a phony fashion, George Papadopoulos from Italy? Hmm. January 17th, Biden asked. The earliest request to listen in on uh, phone calls uh, of the involved Michael Flynn was Samantha Power. That was November 30th. What's going on? Why would the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations need to listen in seven times. Seven times. What could be the reason? Can one person listen in and then spe- uh, share it? But why does everyone have to listen in? Well, how did it end up in Dave Ignatius' column? That is a felony. We know that for sure. So the, the officials that, uh, that looked at this, Include Joe Biden. I don't know if you heard, but he's running for president. Biden's people immediately answered. First, they put down Catherine Herridge. They say Catherine Herridge is a partisan right wing hack who is a regular conduit for conservative media manipulation. Really? She just found out the facts from Rick Grinnell, perhaps, or from Senator Johnson, perhaps, or Senator Grassley that you guys had unmasked a Trump official. The results were Flynn gets fired. Sessions has to recuse himself. We launched the Mueller report. The DNC spokesperson says unmasking is something and you do. You look all the time just to see more, uh, just to look to seem more intelligent. There's nothing this scandalous in any way. This is going to backfire on Republicans because it just shows how serious Flynn was in conversation with the Russians. I don't think so. He was talking to the Russians. He wanted better relations. Absolutely. He also said when it came to the sanctions reportedly, guys, don't overreact to the sanctions. We're coming in. We're going to handle it. OK, nothing wrong with that. Maybe he didn't realize that. But let's not jump to everything's illegal and there's, here's the scandal and here's the smoking gun. We don't know that yet. But man, I hope this isn't the way we do business in America. Trey Gowdy was there, asked some pointed questions.
8: Cut 50. Vice President Biden, Mm. how many other unmasking requests did you make? He makes one on January the 12th. If he's that concerned about national security, how many other unmasking requests did you make when you were the vice president of the United States? I bet it wasn't very many. I mean, Samantha Power did them on a weekly basis. How many did Joe Biden do? I mean, we know he did Michael Flynn a week after the White House meeting. If you're that concerned about Russia and, you know, national security, how many other unmasking requests did you make, Vice President Biden?
4: Yeah, uh, these are some of the questions he's going to have to answer from his basement. Uh, as you look back, they were all asked these questions. And in the case of McDonough and Clapper, they basically lied. Because now we know they unmasked and they know that Flynn was there. Cut seven is Dennis McDonough.
3: Do you have any concerns about those those uh, calls and attempts to reach out by Mike Flynn? Well, Josh was asked about this on Friday, Jake, and I
6: think he answered it just, just right, which is to say, fact is, the content of the calls is what
3: matters. Do you have any knowledge of what the content of the call was? I don't.
4: That's wrong. He does. His name's on the list, unless he has just very poor comprehension. What about this from James Comey? 2017, January 10th, cut eight. Did
7: you answer Senator Wyden's question that there is an investigation underway as to connections between either the political campaigns and the Russian uh, Russians? I didn't say one way or another. You didn't say that there That was my intention, at least. You didn't say one way or another whether even there's an investigation underway. Correct. I don't. It, especially in a public forum, we never confirm or deny a pending investigation. The irony I'm, not, of, I'm not saying. The you see, irony are, of your making that statement here, I cannot uh, avoid, but I'll move on.
4: Yeah, meanwhile, John Brennan, by the way, Comey's on the list. He knew exactly what
8: was going on. Cut four. Do you recall any U.S. ambassadors asking that names be unmasked?
7: I don't, I don't know. Maybe yeah. it's ringing a vague bell, but I'm not... I could not answer with any confidence.
4: A vague bell, because Trey Gowdy, and we can't wait to get him on, Trey Gowdy clearly knew that an ambassador had asked to unmask somebody. By the way, what kind of rules are these? Anybody can ask if you're involved. If you have an Obama ID, you could just ask for anybody to be unmasked. Why have privacy at all? Are you that worried about Ambassador Kislyak that you are just saying, have all these people, 50 people request The unmasking of one person, this at the very least raises eyebrows. The antennas. What's going on? Why the full blast surveillance mission on the Trump team? I'm curious. Corey Lewandowski, cut 13.
9: When you're trying to hide what is probably the biggest scandal in American history, the partisans in Washington want to su- support the people that they have always supported. And look, what we know is Barack Obama actually fired General Flynn when he was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. We know that Barack Obama told Donald Trump on his first trip to Washington, don't let anybody tell you who to hire, but don't hire Michael Flynn. And we also know that there was a political axe to grind here. What we don't know, Martha, is who else from the Trump campaign was also spied on? Was Governor Christie as the head of the transition? Was Jared Kushner, Steve Bannon, Dave Bossie, Kellyanne Conway? We don't know the answers to that, but we know that Michael Flynn's Fourth Amendment was
4: clearly violated. Wild. A lot to go over, a lot to unpack. Hey, when we come back, a Democratic perspective on all this and more. Zach Wood talks about this and that horrific shooting in Georgia.
1: Radio that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
4: Welcome back, everybody. I lo- always love having our next guest on. His name is Zachary Wood. Uh, he came to our attention, uh, when, for my attention anyway, when I read his book, Uncensored, My Life and the Uncomfortable Conversations at the Intersection of Black and White America, at a time in which one of the top stories and remains, by the way, if, when we get through the pandemic, the lack of tolerance on campuses. If you're not a, of the liberal mindset, if you're conservative, you end up being... Uh, needing top security if you're Ben Shapiro or Ann Coulter going to Berkeley. And we're seeing all these things with uh, all these uprisings because people are talking. Like, for example, Art Laffer goes up to SUNY Binghamton and gets booed and uh, yelled off the stage. Instead of getting some, someone saying, well, that's a different point of view, there's an intolerance out there. And Zachary Woods ran against that when he was at Williams College and he was booking speakers. And he had to stand up to people for people like Charles Murray, uh, who, uh, who he would book at Williams College. Just because he doesn't agree with them doesn't mean we can't hear them. And that's what he's always talked about. He is now on the board of directors at Heterox uh, Academy. Uh, Zachary Wood, welcome back.
10: Brian, thanks for having me, man. Great to be back.
4: Um, thanks so much. I, I thought about you yesterday when they announced on Cal State as we try to get through this pandemic. Even though spring has just been canceled, spring semester has just officially been right. canceled. Not, no longer allowed to continue. I was stunned that the Cal State University college system is ruling out in-person classroom learning for the entire state. Five months from the first class, they're already throwing up their hands. Is that a problem for you?
10: Well, I'm assuming this has to do with, because of coronavirus. You know, I I think, I think, um, individual institutions have to do uh what's best in accordance with state guidelines i think it's very important I mean, clearly it's going to present a number of economic challenges it presents significant challenges for higher education and it makes things far more complicated and challenging for students and professors but i think ultimately we want to we want to get through this and if there's going to be a second wave uh, we want to get through the second wave, and we want to manage this in a way that will allow everyone to recover meaningfully and in and, and a, and a stable way to resume some something close to normalcy. So I think we've got to do it in accordance with state guidelines and what's best given the context.
4: Well, I mean, the chancellor made their own decision. Uh, Twenty-three universities, San, San Francisco State, San Jose State, Cal State, obviously – Run down the list, up and down the coast. They all do it virtually. I will tell you, there's people that have to or choose to go virtual classrooms. Some, you know, they got to go to school at night and or they got to go online. They don't have a choice. Others like it. But I'm telling you, for the most part, college kids were not happy doing it. High school kids, 90% of them hated it. It's not effective learning from the kids I've spoken to. I have an 11th grader. And in college, I'm not paying all this money for a college education when a lot of the learning, even at a great school like you went to like Williams, happens and a lot of growth happens to so the interaction with your friends and fellow classmates and the clubs you, you join. Absolutely. Without that so campus atmosphere, why yeah. are people writing those checks, Zach?
10: Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a that's a serious point. That's um, that's definitely one of the the most important considerations and uh, considerable deficit with respect to going online and doing everything virtually through Zoom is that you no longer have person-to-person interactions which are essential, which are very important. Students are not able to build those relationships with their professors, with their peers, that are also a big part of the college experience. And it's especially difficult, I think, for freshmen who are, you know, they're just getting acclimated um, and adapting to a new life on campus, and so I think it's going to be very difficult. the The thing for me is that you know health is first, uh, and the in the economy is very important. And so I, I don't think we should bring students back to campus if if it could lead to an outbreak, if the the health risks are substantial enough, um, yeah, that it would do more harm than I good. Think,
4: yeah. I would not make this early decision. I would see how it goes. You see what's happening in Georgia. It's going really well. Florida is going really well. Uh, South Carolina, it's emblematic of the right way to do things, according to Dr. Fauci. Uh, I always thought the American spirit was, let's see if we can make it work and then see if we can't, we'll back down. But I want to move on and talk about another horrific thing that happened two months ago, but they were just getting a hold of. And that is the shooting death of a young African-American, evidently he was a standout yeah. football player, Ahmed Arbery. He's 25 years old. He uh, reportedly was just jogging. He's got mistaken for somebody breaking into someone's house, and this father and son open up fire on him. We don't know yeah. about the exact interaction, and he ends up dead with two chest wounds. No justice was done. No pro- two prosecutors were removed until this video emerged. As a as a young uh, African American yourself, what are your thoughts? And you, knowing that we don't know all the facts yet, what are right. your thoughts about right. what we've seen?
10: Yeah, I mean it was. Um unacceptable and excusable. I think it is representative of a a significant, a grave larger societal issue when it comes to interactions between uh, the police and African-American communities. Now, with respect to this issue, data is very important. And it is true that there are statistics and, you know, there are things that are out there that have caught a lot of traction in corporate media and social media that just aren't true. The truth is that if you look at the data, in terms of police misconduct, things have gotten better relative to the 80s, relative to the 90s, but there's still significant distrust. There are still abuses of power. There are still things going on that are extremely concerning. And so when it comes to tensions between, uh, when it comes to racial tensions, when it comes to police misconduct, when it comes to the shooting of unarmed uh, African-Americans, on our black men in particular, I think it's something that we've got to, we've got to continue having conversations about, and we've got to have conversations that are based on the evidence, based on the data, and that also take into account the importance of, of individual stories and the importance of things that we're seeing in the news every day.
4: It was Gregory McMichael and his son, Travis, that are now i uh, have been arrested, but it did take two months, and it didn't look like justice was going to be done until this tape emerged. Why this guy was rolling on the tape, I don't understand. Why the sun felt as though he should open up and fire on a guy in broad daylight who had nothing, who was clearly unarmed and was seemed to be exercising, I don't get. But do you worry about us focusing uh, less on the case, as horrific and racially involved as it may have been, and leading to other unrest around the country instead of conversation? <laughs>
10: yes i think I think that's a significant concern because i mean it boils down to the the killing of unarmed black men who don't who who don't pose a threat but who are perceived as posing a threat and because they're perceived as, yep. as posing a threat, they end up being killed and more often than not the case is involving police, but it's broader than that and it's more complicated than that it's it's one of the most significant societal issues we face and so I think there is a there's a significant there should be significant worry that uh, because of this and because of the frequency of instances like this, that there will be not just legitimate grievances um, and communities that feel heartbroken, but the, the distress I think will persist. And if we're not on top of it, if we're not having open and honest conversations about it, if we're not pushing ourselves to, to explore some of the nuances and complexities and to look at, at the, the more positive aspects, which is to say there are improvements if you look at a curve over time, then it's just very difficult. And I think it's likely that we get stuck in this cycle of believing that, you know, there is racism, there will always be racism, it will always be this way. Progress will be limited. We have to destroy power structures and destroy institutions. That's the only way we'll ever achieve anything, which I think doesn't really get us anywhere. So I think we've got to have we've got to accept that emotions are raw, emotions are real, emotions are important. We've got to also have evidence-based conversations and they've got to be from the top down and bottom up.
4: All right, uh, we have uh, Trump against Biden. It looks like uh, barring anything extraordinary, that'll be the case. Uh, Joe Biden's committed to running with a woman. Does uh, Zach Wood have a preference or the bright person you believe Joe Biden should pick?
10: You know, I uh, no, I actually, I actually don't. I think uh, Joe Biden uh, should and will do what's best for his campaign. I will say this. I think there is one extremely important issue that uh, that everyone engaged in the 2020 election should discuss, especially with with the pandemic and the challenges that we're facing is how this will affect rural America how will this affect communities that are disadvantaged, that are disenfranchised, that are not urban population centers, that are not New York City, that are not LA. Uh, And so we've got to bring that into the conversation. And I think the federal government, I think state governments have to think about how they can work best together to provide subsidies, to provide support. And I think Joe Biden does better if he makes that a bigger part of the conversation. I think from both sides, do better in terms of where we are as the nation and making progress if we focus on that issue.
4: Zachary Wood, uh, thanks so much, Zach. Always great to talk to you.
10: Samuel Brian. Thanks, man. Take care.
8: You got it.
3: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
1: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
4: Hi, everybody. It's going to be a big hour. We've got Adam Kinzik at the bottom of the hour and Chris Wallace just getting out of the shower. Uh, big day. The economy, not good, but as expected, about 3 million uh, more have lost their jobs. Unemployment expected to peak out at 25 percent. It's now at 17 percent. The president of the United States going over to Pennsylvania to check out uh, this plant that's doing a lot of PPE. But- uh, goings-on, and they're having success, but I'll tell you, a lot of these states are really battling uh, their governors because they're opening up too slow, and they're doing a one-size-fits-all. Also, a whistleblower will be in front of the House committee today. His name is Dr. Rick Wright. Rick Bright. he says he knew everything before it happened, so I we'll look forward to the latest person to be inside the Trump uh, the White House uh, or serving at the CDC and then turn at him. Uh, what else is new? Uh, meanwhile, the President of the United States Uh, is trailing Joe Biden nationally, but he got some good news. On every battleground state in this poll, uh, which was co-done by CNN, he is beating Joe Biden. Sound familiar? Let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
2: This is not any uh, wish list that is not related to the coronavirus and to this time frame. It isn't about politics. It's about humanity. This isn't time for a pause.
4: Oh, yeah, there's uh, Nancy Pelosi all over the place. Rescue bill number four. Uh, Is it more about a political agenda, or is there truly a need for a lifesaver?
8: Number two. Do you think your critics want you to keep it closed going into the election? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's it's a political thing in addition. It was up to some people. Let's keep it closed for a long time.
4: Uh, That is the president of the United States. Uh, I've been pointing this out for a while. State by state, the president is now involved in Pennsylvania's rebellion around the nation, California, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Hawaii. Uh, Many residents are getting restless, and they want their own fate in their own hands. As it's estimated, 100,000 small businesses have already collapsed.
5: So we have to find out if there's a way forward. Number one. And I think this is astonishing. Vice President Biden, all of President Obama's inner circle, individually were requesting the unmasking of a political opponent. This is a smoking gun if there ever was one. There you
4: go, Senator Rand Paul. He is fired up. Unmasking mystery. Why would nearly 50 Obamaites seek to unmask one man, Mike Flynn? And why is Joe Biden's name on the list? Speaking of Flynn... His case took a nasty turn and a befuddling turn as well on Wednesday.
1: And now, the Brian Kilmeade Show welcomes back Mr. Sunday, the receptive voice, the king, author of the new book, Countdown 19. The
11: slogan, the receptive voice, is the most idiotic slogan I've ever heard.
4: Is it because you do not qualify as receptive?
1: Here it is. In this instance, the voice is a person, meaning Brian Kilmeade. And Brian Kilmeade, the The voice, voice, is willing and accepting suggestions and ideas. But we can change it for you, Mr. Wallace. No problem. America's non-receptive person. You do not qualify as receptive. All that and so much more. You have misplayed this so badly
11: because we had a wonderful little thing going here. Yep, Chris Wallace. That is a new... There you go, Chris. uh, Even in these hard times, (laughs) that is a new, I will say, very snarky, very unpleasant, totally misleading, but it is a new intro, and, and I applaud that.
4: You applaud new. That's all you'll give me credit for, or Frank and, uh, and Eric credit for, right? That, well, the I guess.
11: And, and, and incidentally, they didn't get a chance to say the author of the new book, Countdown 1940. You know, I'm going to tell you a little story today. I'm sure this happened okay. to you, but with your first, which was your first book, George Washington?
4: Uh, the very first was The Games Do Count, uh, then Italian Play oh, the Game, right. my first history book, George Washington Secret Six. Okay, and so, I was the power player for that one. I was the power player yes, you in were. your show.
11: Yes, and I'm glad you remember that. I, You came down to Washington. We did a whole interview with you. We gave you three minutes of plugola time. In any case, there's a box arrives yesterday. And you have to understand, I mean, we're we're uh, disinfecting the box. We open it up, and there are the first hard copies of Countdown 1945. Now, ex- tell your listeners how exciting it is when you open it up. You've, you've seen galleys. You've seen you know, things online, when you actually get the real book with the glossy cover and all of that in your hands. How exciting is that?
4: It's very exciting. And what I think is key is they put the bubble wrap in, the big bubbles, not the foam. Was it in the foam? Because the foam gets annoying. You take the book out and then the little foam pieces go everywhere. But did you get the bubble wrap?
11: I don't think we got anything. And No, it was just a bunch of books in a box. Why do you oh, need okay. foam? It's a book. It's not a piece of china.
4: <laughs> well, I'm just saying, <laughs> they usually, I usually get like one that comes in at a time. You got a whole box. That's great. I got, so it's exciting, I got, right? I is got. your picture on the cover?
11: No, it's, it, I'm not like you. I'm not an egomaniac. The picture is in the back flap. And I have to say the picture, which was really quite good, uh, it, it doesn't look so great in here. It looks a little muddled. I don't think I does do justice <laughs> to the receptive voice.
4: Well, a lot of times, uh, the best authors are blurry on the inside flap. So
11: maybe uh, the well, then, blurry Chris I'm Wallace qualify. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's exciting, and as we get closer, hopefully, the pandemic, more and more states will be able to stand up. Listen, what the president said. I've been detecting, uh, Chris. I know you don't want to jump into something this controversial at this point in your career. You just want to finish out and don't want to cause any uh, ripples, but. I see a lot of these blue states taking their time, and I can't think in the back of my mind, are they actually doing this to make sure it's President Biden, not President Trump in November? And I'm thinking about Tom Wolfe in Pennsylvania. I'm thinking about what's happening in Michigan. I'm even thinking about what's happening in Hawaii. In Hawaii, the most laid back state in the union. They are good. They're ready to, they're beside themselves after being harnessed like this. What are your thoughts?
11: Well, I, I think that's a little bit of both. I mean, let's Let's be honest. The states that have been hardest hit tend to be states on the coast, California and Washington on the West Coast, New York, New Jersey, True. Uh, True. on the East Coast. So, I mean, you know, it's it's you know, they they literally do have been the hardest hit uh, and they tend to be the states that are, have the most density of people in them, the highest density. So, I mean, they the, the problem does affect them more. Do I think there is any politics involved in that and that, uh, you know, Democrats want to see the, the you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying the most of them or I'm not saying that's what's driving Governor Cuomo or whatever. But do I think some Democrats would like to see this continue on for a while uh, and 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 hurt Trump? Sure. Do I think some people want to, you know, are pushing to go back sooner to help Trump? Yes. I mean, and and either the sad thing is it's wrong on both sides. We need to, you know, I mean, we need to be doing the very best that not just the scientists, so that's certainly part of it, but, you know, also the economists and the business. I mean, you see these things in Wisconsin where the state Supreme Court overruled the governor and now suddenly there's no stay-at-home order or any controls at all. And in a bunch Fantastic. of places, the bars filled up. That can't be the right way for things to operate. You just wish people would. No, it's. Would.
4: But, Chris, I'm going to stop you there. If that bar owner has not put restrictions in their restaurant, that's his or her fault. And that's a problem. And if I go in there, I look around and go, I love this place, but clearly they're not re- reflecting the times. I'm walking out. And the same thing with my yeah, gym. You, you are. But I but want the opportunity see the,
11: to see. Uh, but I was going to say, did you see the video of, of people in that bar? No masking, no social distancing, by, side by side, and then who knows? Somebody leaves there, and then they go someplace else. Look, I agree. You can't shut down the country, and there is—you know—it's not like they have. there's no yeah. price to thirty-six, seven million people being unemployed. I fully understand that, but you know, we got to—we got to find a way to do it sensibly. And 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 punching each other. And I saw somebody at a—I think it was a Target—got knocked down by somebody who refused to wear a mask, and his arm got broken. You know, there was video of that yesterday on Fox, and I'm thinking,
4: this is crazy. In a
3: supermarket,
11: yeah,
4: yeah. And that was the security. They went up and say, "Guys, you got to put a mask on." And they end up in a fight, and that's an issue. But those are aberrations. There, there's a hundred thousand businesses out of business, and fundamentally, you can't tell me I can't play tennis, but I can play golf. You can't tell me I can go to Target, but I can't run my car wash. You can't tell me I can't run my sports store but I can run a CVS. We know the difference. We're adults. We've been through the schooling. We watch the shows. All channels been covering it. You have to give America a chance. And I'm going to point to South Carolina, Georgia, and Florida. And you could say that they're Republicans, I guess. But I look at Colorado. Colorado's a Democratic governor. He would not hear of politics. He cares too much about his, the people who put him in office.
11: I looked, He I... opened it up. I understand that. I this is this is really complicated and what's what's terrible is the last thing that should be involved here is politics. I, I completely agree with you about Georgia. I thought when Kemp I'm I'm gonna be open and honest here, when Kemp opened up yep. as early as he did, and look, remember, it wasn't just me that was critical of him. President Trump was critical of him and really called yep. him out in the White House briefing room and it, you know, the the it, it appears that the cases are going down. There hasn't been a huge spike, so Uh, you know, whether that's luck, whether he saw something that people, you know, the know-it-alls in Washington and New York didn't see, I don't know, but it's, you know, you can't argue with success.
4: Yeah. So we're going to be, I'm going to be talking about that also in Illinois and Pennsylvania. These county executives are rising up against their governors. Uh, the president's going into Pennsylvania will fuel the flame and in Michigan and Pennsylvania might decide the next election and it might be on freedom instead of taxes uh, and green energy it's going to be fascinating to watch i want to make sure before i switch gears i want to you you have guests i don't want to be rushed at the end who are your guests this weekend
11: well we uh, two things we know we're not we're not booked we hope we're going to get a public health expert from the white house last week we had uh, uh, stephen Mnuchin, the treasury secretary on the yep. economy this week i thought let's get an independent voice so we're going to have a fellow named mohammed al-arian who used to be the head of PIMCO, one of the largest uh, investment funds, trillions of dollars, you know, an independent voice. And let's hear what he has to say about the economy and the damage that's going to come. I will tell you, a lot of people say that this talk, and you could argue that maybe it's because of the prolonged shutdown, a lot of this talk about a sharp V-shaped recovery. uh, It's going to be a lot slower and tougher than that. And actually we had word from Jay Powell, the head of the federal reserve yesterday who said the same thing. Uh, and <laughs> now, the, now the stock market is crashing. And uh, so thank you, Mr. Powell.
4: I know just uh, for example, when Anthony Fauci started talking, it dropped 300 points uh, the other day, but I, I'm, I'm confident that we're going to have a big second half of the year. And so a lot of people smarter than me, and there's only two or three. So uh, Chris, let's go and over and talk about the unmasking. Uh, in terms of unmasking, I am, uh, no, I know, fully cognizant of the fact that it is not unconstitutional and it is not illegal. But man, fundamentally, are you disturbed about the number of people who re- who petitioned and got the ability to unmask Michael Flynn? Seven requests from Samantha Power, four requests from the U.S. ambassador to Italy, a request from Comey. Three from James Clapper from December on. The first one was November 30th. This is, I want to lead the witness. Your thoughts.
11: Well, first of all, they weren't unmasking Flynn. What they're unmasking is that there's an intelligence report or there's a surveillance of a phone call. And it says American number one. If they knew who it was, they wouldn't be unmasking. They don't know who it is. So, they say, "Hey, who was that American number one that's in your intel report?" And you know, it turns out it's Flynn. So that's point one. Number two, I don't have any problem. I mean, obviously there are some people, and I certainly am interested. I I, I separate Joe Biden from all of these people. Joe Biden is running for president. Anything he does is fair game. Is in terms of an inquiry, I do want to know why Joe Biden was was uh, trying to unmask or you know, was unmasking. American number one who turned out to be Michael Flynn in January, uh, January 12th, eight days before the inauguration. I'm that I, you know, I wonder about and I want to know about that. But in in two points, I would make real quickly. One, if if Flynn, if American number one is talking to the Russian ambassador the day after Obama and I think really delayed and should have done it much sooner, has uh, sanctions against the Russians for interfering in the election. If you're the head of the of the uh, director of national intelligence or the head of the CIA, Brennan or Clapper, wouldn't you want to know who American number one is? And and the only other point I would make is a number of these things happened before the phone call with Kislyak, the Russian ambassador. You know, we're in early December, as you point out, if you're going to be transparent about uh, about, you know, right, who unmasked, what were they? What did they want to unmask? What was the intel report exactly. that they wanted to see? I'd like to know what it was I they want were to see concerned it all. about.
4: Yeah. Hey, Chris, I would like to know, too, is there a form for this? I mean, my goodness, the, the ambassador to Italy is trying to find out what's going on with the Trump administration official talking to Kislyak? I mean, is this the Wild West of intelligence? Of course it's going yeah, to end well, up in the Washington th- Post, which is a felony.
11: Well, now that, that's different. Unmasking is perfectly legitimate. And you know how many times the, the, in the Trump administration, how many requests for unmasking there were in 2018? It just has come out. Uh, 16,000. So, I mean, it does ha- go on a lot. And unmasking is OK. Leaking, and it, whoever did that should be put in jail. That's, that's a crime. So, uh, I, you know, if Joe Biden did it, if Samantha Powers did it, whoever did it should go to jail. Uh, but unmasking he is, just by itself, I think I'm not, I'm right. not as convinced.
4: Chris, I, I believe that this story is a uh, moving target. I think it's it might be your lead come Sunday, but ultimately uh, you have to make those decisions on your own. I can't be getting your call Sunday morning asking those questions every day, what should I lead with? So that's going to be well, your I, decision. You know, I, but
11: I, but you, I just want to say, so right now, as we sit here on Thursday morning, you're saying lead with Flynn.
4: No. If, we, if this moves, if this story moves, uh, I think it should be your second story right now, but I think it's going to move by Sunday and I have to move to break and I got your plug in and I didn't rush it. So I don't feel guilty. Chris, well, thanks I mean, so much. I look forward Looking to your also, book coming Jimmy out.
11: Johnson, NASCAR is coming out. So we're going to have Jimmy Johnson on the show on Sunday as well. First NASCAR race Sunday afternoon.
4: Nice. Back in a moment.
0: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. The talk
1: show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
8: This is amazing to me. What alternative universe do they live in? Spending their time on
11: discredited conspiracy theories against Obama, against Biden, instead of dealing with the greatest crisis we've had in America in decades and decades and decades. Absurd, often Russian-generated conspiracy theories against their political enemies.
4: Senator Schumer saying the pandemic is number one. Absolutely. Uh, But to think a guy that was part of a process that delayed America and distracted America for two and a half years suddenly is upset once we start getting answers to our questions of what was going on with Michael Flynn? Who was listening in on their phone calls? What about this master plot uh, that ended up taking down Sessions and recusing himself, taking down Flynn, Papadopoulos, Carter Page's life, uh, uh, Paul Manafort, and then revealing that there was no conspiracy between Russia and the Trump, uh, the Trump team, which is now the Trump administration. But when you get facts out that Clapper three times requested an uh, uh, unmasking, that Comey and Dennis McDonough did it too, that four times the U.S. ambassador to Italy did too. Oh, isn't that where MIFSID's from? Mifsud that was able to befriend George Papadopoulos in a phony way and try to get information out of him unsuccessfully. And this guy named Joe Biden did the same thing on the 17th of January, two weeks before well, one week before he called it quits as vice president. I think that's necessary. When we come back, I'll talk to Adam Kinzinger about that. And Illinois, where they're turning on their governor. This Brian Brian Kilmeade Joe.
0: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, I'm Ben Dominich, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. Well, I don't think any governor has the authority to
5: restrict anyone unless there's a direct relationship uh, to combating this virus. And if you look around the country, clearly there have been examples of really draconian, arbitrary restrictions that have nothing to do with public health, like you can't plant a seed in your front yard in your garden, you can't <laughs> right. walk around the neighborhood with your daughter or something like that. So some of this stuff, I think, is devolved into social control. You need to be able to act. There's certain things that need to be done, uh, but you're not a dictator. Right. You don't have unlimited authority, and people do have rights.
4: And that's true. You—they're you know, not a dictator. Will someone tell the, the governor of Michigan that? The governor of Illinois that? Uh, Perhaps the governor of New York, we're about to find out as he begins to lift restrictions as of tomorrow, Governor Cuomo. Uh, But you have, I understand he put up about 10 benchmarks for New York to reopen or different regions. He's opened up about four of them now. And I think Manhattan has got seven out of 10. Long Island's done. So why be punitive at this point? And the same, similar thing in Illinois, where you have a governor who just seems way out of touch and in no rush to open things up. And that's why so many people are sounding off, especially in uh, in Illinois. Believe it or not, they're even going crazy in Hawaii. They could face civil unrest and rioting if they don't start reopening quicker. That, according to reports there. So joining us now is a congressman from Illinois uh, on the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Uh, he's a common guest on the show uh, where Illinois experience experienced 84,000 cases confirmed 3,792 deaths. Congressman, welcome back.
6: Hey, thanks. Good to be with you.
4: How how's Governor Pritzker doing in terms of reopening your state?
6: Well, look, I uh, I, I talked to the governor. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago. And I had said to him, you need to regionalize this. And he said, well, that's a good point. And then the next day, he amended his executive order to regionalize it. But it's still bad, right? For instance, I live in Grundy County. And uh, that's a little rural county. And it's it's in the Chicago zone. Uh, The metrics to open up uh, are almost too hard to achieve. And uh, and it's time to loosen this up. Here's the thing, Brian, is, you know, I don't know when this became from flatten the curve to find the cure and flattening the curve. The American people did amazingly 15 days, then 30 days. We stayed in. We didn't move. And now, all of a sudden, as we've done what we've done to maintain hospital capacity, which is what this all was about, you now have, for some reason, in some of these governors on the left, it's become more about proving they can. And and it's time to loosen up. Um, The American people have said they're done with this lockdown. So unless you're going to arrest everybody that steps out in their front yard like they do in communist China... It's better to actually have a process in place to open businesses. And you know what? If Look, if you're a Republican or anybody, honestly, but wear a mask when you go out and you're around a bunch of people. There's nothing wrong with it. I wore a mask in Iraq. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, wear a mask. But that's how we're going to get back to, uh, you know, to slowing the spread while having a real life.
4: Absolutely. I mean, why is Florida and Georgia and South Carolina able to do it? Yeah, they weren't hit as hard as New York, but we're on the same track. It is decreasing across the country And uh, the whole thing is, uh, they say 25 million more people are out. But the question is, where can they go? You know, there's another number, 100,000. 100,000 small businesses have closed forever. How many unnecessarily? And if we have that PPP stuff and you got those loans, they're about running out. If you extend the stay-at-home measure, you have wasted the PPP money. You should have killed us in March rather than extend the death until May.
6: Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and that's where, you know, that's where this moment is, is like, again, we've done what needed to be done. We had this massive surge of virus. We know more about the virus now. So we locked down. But now it's time, instead of just making it, as some um, my friends on the other side of the aisle have done, about proving that they can or saying that we're not science-based. No, we're totally science-based. And the science says, that right now we're not going to have a vaccine for this for maybe a year. It also says if you wear a mask, you reduce spread. And it also says if you're outside, you're much less likely to spread it than inside. And so it would make sense to say, let's start to loosen some things up because, you know, also science-based is the fact if you ever read the book Freakonomics, you know that people die as a result of things like, you know, suicides, like, depression. If you think about that kind of stuff, the, the, the toll on this could end up being greater.
4: Absolutely. So in Illinois, we understand and at least one county uh, executive is defying the governor and it's in Madison County. And he says right outside St. Louis, he's running in defiance of J.B. Pritzker's stay at home and he's ordering everything opened. Uh, and he's going to do that. So in Pennsylvania, when they did that in 20 counties, He says, I'm going to take liquor licenses away and prevent you from getting federal funding. You have basically a
6: civil war in Pennsylvania. Is that where Illinois is going to be heading? Well, I certainly hope not. Uh, The governor did in a press conference say something like he would consider withholding federal funds from uh, counties that don't do it. Like He can't do that. Um, and, And if there is a way in the federal government, we need to fix that. You cannot use federal government money as a weapon in the state and so i have continued to try to be calm about this work with the governor in every way because you know people's lives are at stakes and people's livelihood are at stakes but i think every governor that is maintaining a lockdown beyond necessary needs to realize that this is not communist china the american people are patient only to a point and we have freedoms that we respect in the constitution
4: right uh i want you to hear the voice of a business owner He owns Atlas Gym in New Jersey, and he's had it.
8: He's opening up. Cut 30. His name is Ian Smith. Cut 38. Our actions on Monday are going to be uh, grounded in the ideals of civil disobedience. Uh, What we intend to showcase is that we reject the premise of essential versus non-essential businesses, Uh, Anything that Walmart can do with hundreds, if not thousands of people passing through the stores every day, touching everything in sight, a small business, whether it be a restaurant, a gym, uh, a hair salon or anything else can replicate those things. And we can go above and beyond. And he's had it with his governor is moving too slow. He's waiting two more
4: weeks. These gyms don't have two more weeks, Adam. I talk to them all the time. They don't have it. They can't charge members. They got rent. The landlords are on pause, but they're not on "I forgive." The banks want their money, the landlords want their money, and the gyms are told, "Hold on, it's not safe." When they've roped off their treadmills, they've, you know, they've went off with the ellipticals, they've walked around, they have hired additional people with gloves and spray bottles, they're ready to go. And it's un-American what's happening right now.
6: Well, and I can tell you, Brian, I, uh, you know, I'm a gym rat myself, uh, as you are. And uh, when I go out and run now, I mean, literally I'm running half of the distance I ever did, and I'm wheezing. And, uh, I, you know, I haven't been able to lift a weight in three months. And, uh, and I'll tell you, my health has declined. You know, I'm still in good shape, thankfully. I'm young. You know, I've been in good shape going into it. But if you think about what's happening to people like us that can't get to a gym, think of what's happening to people that, that significantly need a gym, and you think about the impact that has on their life. So I'm in contact with my gym owner, and he just says, look, we are ready to implement you know, all the sanitation things. We can even have it to where we limit the number of people in the gym, so maybe you have to sign on the Internet you know, to get a slot. But to keep them just closed, it has a real health impact on everybody
4: yeah, I want to pivot if it's got to change, and I hope next time we talk, we're talking about opening up safely. I'm not saying there's no hotspots, but life is full of danger and challenges. This is just another one of them. But staying at home is is a recipe for losing everything. And if you're lucky yep. enough to have unemployment that's more supplanting your income, just know you're a minority because most right. people are watching their lives slam into a brick wall financially. Even though sometimes, you know, you relish time with your family that you never thought you were going to get. I get it. But not at the risk of financial ruin. And I cannot well, believe in California. Right. But in California, you know, they've given up on the Cal State right. col- college system. They're not. They're giving up on se- in September. They're not going to have college in on-campus uh, classrooms. Governor DeSantis just said in Florida that's inexcusable. He won't allow it. Why is it? What's good for Florida? What's good for California is not good for Florida. Have you ever? Is that the American attitude? In May you give up until September. And there's not going to be any innovation. There's no. There's no system to get people back on campus who are not vulnerable, to uh, o- o- overtly vulnerable to this virus. It's incredible the acquiescence.
6: Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, look, we're the uh, the Republican Party. We're the party that appreciates uh, a life significantly from, you know, the moment of conception until natural death. And that's, that's why it's important we do everything we can to put people in a position to protect their life, no matter what comorbidities they have. Um, but the Democratic Party, I think, has... You know, to an extent, this has become a referendum on President Trump in terms of whether they open or not. They're, in some cases, not reopening states or even having a process to reopen as a way to push back and say that, you know, we're science-based and the other side is emotion-based. We're not emotion-based. I mean, Republicans were all on board with this for, you know, 30 days, even 45 days, until we started to see the fact that most hospitals had a significant amount of empty beds. There was not an undercapacity capacity. And yet we were still forced to, you know, to bleed jobs and bleed the economy. It's a middle ground. You've got to find it. All
4: right. All right. So what is your take on this unmasking? Uh, you know, dozens of times with the who's who of the Obama administration, from the chief of staff to Comey to Brennan to the U.S. ambassador to, the, to Italy to Samantha Power with dozens of requests. Bring us inside lawmaking. Uh, Dem- Republicans are outraged. Democrats say it's a distraction
6: yeah i mean it's it's obviously you know not a distraction it's a significant issue Now i'm not the expert on it and um you know and there are people that have studied this uh, far greater than i have but i'll tell you this the perception at least and i think the reality but the perception at least is that the justice department is being used for politics and it cannot be you know under president obama it cannot be whether it's a republican or a democrat used for politics because in a in a democracy The only thing that can hold a democracy together is people knowing that there is a backstop in an independent justice and judiciary system, because they know, look, even if we're out of power, you know, when I was elected, I was the first, you know, we took the majority. But the two years prior to that, the Democrats had all levers. But there weren't riots because people knew that there was still a backstop of independence behind the government when that wall breaks down. Uh, It breaks down people's belief in the system of government, and that is the long-term danger. So to the extent any laws were broken, uh, we need to go after that hard to protect our system.
4: Yeah, I would think so. Among the people that did it in the last week of his administration, Joe Biden cut three.
7: I know nothing about those moves to investigate Michael Flynn, number one. Number two, this is all about diversion. This is a game this guy plays all the time.
8: The country is in crisis. We're in an economic crisis, a health crisis. But you were reported to be at a January 5th, 2017 meeting where you and the president were briefed on the FBI's plan to question Michael Michael Flynn over those conversations he had with the Russian ambassador Kislyak. No, I thought you asked me whether or not I had anything to do with him being prosecuted. Okay. I'm sorry. I I I was
7: aware that there was that there they asked for an investigation. But that's all I know about it.
6: What do you think, going <laughs> yeah, I mean, on there? he's gonna have some he's gonna have some questions to answer in the campaign for sure on that. Um, you know, it's been it's it's been incredible to watch uh as he's given his Skype interviews, you know, not understanding the questions and then and then having to backtrack.
4: Yeah, it's very, uh, very interesting. Right now, the president's losing on the national poll, but he's winning in every battleground state. How's this thing going to play out? Who's heard more? Biden by it being in the basement of the
6: president, not holding his rallies. You know, I think everybody's kind of hurt. It's going to be a whole new, like, election process. But I think ultimately, in in this kind of an environment, uh, incumbency is, is advantage because you know who the person is. You know, right now, the president... Uh, If he can, you know, uh, take a continue to take a strong leadership role in this disease and talk about, you know, the economy, I think he's in a much better position. And right now, you know, President Biden or Vice President Biden um, is definitely at a disadvantage. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with the uh, with the conventions, too. You know, if that's going to be something that's on Zoom on TV, it's not going to have the impact uh, that, you know, a typical convention would.
4: When you said President Biden, I imagine a lot of people drove off the road. So, again, <laughs> grab your wheel, uh, calm down, hope you buckle up, hope you didn't have to use the airbag, and get back on the road. All right? And Adam Kinzinger apologizes for that. It won't happen again. Uh, do, Congressman, I'm thanks I'm so, so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. And uh, I hope you – I know you're still in great shape, so don't <laughs> panic. You'll be back in the gym soon.
6: I'll try not to. See ya.
4: Go get him. 1-866-408-7669. Back with your calls and your thoughts in just a moment. Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
10: I'm Shannon Bream, host
9: of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: Information you want. Truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
0: COVID-19 has been spreading wildly through our society. It's too late for lockdowns. All of these draconian lockdowns are destroying our economy, leading to thousands and thousands of deaths from despair, from drug abuse, from alcoholism, from unemployment. We have to consider that we should focus only on the hotspots and just do social distancing and start to take all of these cables off. That's where Dr. Fauci is wrong. Too late for lockdowns.
4: Yeah, and we got to find a way to get back to school. Don't say it's too risky. Do it. Uh, That is Dr. Mark Siegel, who's been there every step of the way. Not only is he on television, he goes over to NYU and does the best he can to see patients. So he sees the reality of it while doing talk to radio on on Sirius XM. Uh, Keep in mind, too, on a side note, Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers out on paperback. If you guys are looking for a distraction through this, uh, you can get that delivered to your house. I know you can't walk through a bookstore unless you're in Oklahoma, Nebraska, uh, South Carolina, Florida, or Georgia. Uh, Let's go out to... Uh, let's go. Hey, listening on Fox Nation is uh, Piera. Hi. Over Hi, in New Brian. Jersey. Hi,
9: Good. Brian. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I, I, I'm how's really your governor distressed. treating
8: you?
9: I'm sorry, how's Blake? I'm
8: You're distressed governor.
9: because, I'm sorry, this morning I'm
6: listening to the news. It's been a horrible two days, you know, with so much news going on. And Judge Sullivan is now getting another judge to oversee what the old prosecutors did, et cetera. And he's trying to turn the two guilty pleas from Flynn, trying to say that now he perjured himself. So he's now trying to create another crime. So here's my thoughts. Who were the attorneys representing General Flynn
9: when he pled guilty twice?
6: They were holders, you know, the wingman's law firm who were also withholding documentation, and they were advising him to plead guilty twice. Where does that connection come in? Is that not going to be looked at? It
4: is. How about this? And this ju- and this uh, prosecutor that's going to do the judge a favor and look over the case and see if there's something there, uh, he also works at that firm and is longtime friends with Eric Holder. And he also wrote a column. He's a Clinton judge. He hated being a judge, uh, so he quit. He also wrote a column on how this is, uh, this is imperfect justice when you look at what happened with Michael Flynn. So he's in trouble, but they got to go back and fight it again. They're just making this guy's life miserable. So uh, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it, and thanks for watching Fox Nation. We are streamed there every single day. Uh, make sure you keep it here for the latest information on the pandemic, the latest on Flynn, the latest on the election. We have it all covered. If you ever have to travel away from your local affiliate, go to radio.com, download that app, or get the podcast at or at iTunes. We're now also heard on Spotify.
0: Get this and all your favorite Fox News podcasts ad-free on Apple Podcasts with Fox News Podcasts Plus. Just go to foxnewspodcasts.com for all the details.
1: Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City. Fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
4: Guess what? It's time for the latest hour, the Brian Kilmeade Show. Thanks so much for being here. We happen to be in the epicenter of this entire virus as New York. Uh, is one day away from beginning to open up about four or five different counties. And on the doorstep, I think, of Open Up Long Island, if they're doing this honestly and fairly, like Colorado's doing it, I just want to make sure politics stays out of it. I can't be assured of that. See what's happening in Michigan, Pennsylvania, uh, in California. Pete Hegseth will join me at the bottom of the hour. I'll get the military veterans' take on this. Jason Chaffetz, former chairman of Oversight, Fox News contributor is on deck. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know. It's Brian's Big Three. Number three.
2: This is not any uh, wish list that is not related to the coronavirus and to this time frame. It isn't about politics. It's about humanity. This isn't time for a pause.
4: Yeah, right. Uh, I'll give you that wish list with money for the arts. Yes. In times of pandemic, let's paint. Rescue Bill 4. Is this more about a political agenda or a truly much-needed savior? You tell me. Number two.
8: Do you think your critics want you to keep it closed going into the election? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's a it's a political thing in addition. It was up to some people. Let's keep it closed for a long time.
4: Uh, I sent it to state by state. The president uh, now involved in the Pennsylvania rebellion. A bunch of counties say, open me up. The governor says, I will punish you if you try it. Around the nation, California, New Jersey, Wisconsin, Hawaii, uh, see many residents, and Texas, residents taking their own fate into their own hands in defiance of their governors or local authorities. And by the way, over 100,000 small businesses already closed
5: for good. Number one. And I think this is astonishing. Vice President Biden, all of President Obama's inner circle, individually were requesting the unmasking of a political opponent. This is a smoking gun if there ever was one.
4: Is it? Some
5: just say that's business as
4: usual. And that was Rand Paul. Unmasking mystery. Why would nearly 50 Obamaites seek to unmask one man, Mike Flynn? And why is Joe Biden's name on that list and one of the last to do it before he left office as vice president? Speaking of Flynn, his case took a nasty and befuddling turn on Wednesday. Let's bring in Jason Chaffetz. Jason, everybody was talking about how this is done. Flynn's going to be free. This judge, though, had another idea. It looks as though he's going to have another day in court as he calls on a prosecutor who clearly is anti-Flynn to take a look at this case.
3: Well, not, as, uh, not only is he anti-Flynn, he's, he's anti-Trump. And he, um, this is really troubling. When the Department of Justice says they don't have a case to prosecute, And they agree with the defense uh, to drop it. The judge is acting as if they're the executive branch. And I I don't understand it. I think ultimately uh, Judge Flynn, who's been through a lot, uh, will be uh, uh, released of this and set free as he should be.
4: This guy's name is retired Judge John Gleason, did a whole lot of prosecuting of mobsters, uh, wrote a column anti-Trump. Column: How Justice Did Not Prevail, uh, and one of his quotes um, that is kind of interesting, um, he said this, did Emmett Sullivan, the judge that decided that the Department of Justice will not have the last word, will she address whether the court should issue an order to show cause why Mr. Flynn should not be in a criminal attempt of perjury, because he says that he cut a deal allowing that. And we remember this guy Sullivan had a big speech against how he was sowing out his country. And then he backtracked on that. So John Gleason front and center with no necessary, with no time frame on when he's going to be out there. So if you're Mike Flynn, what are you thinking today?
3: Well, I think fortunately the president of the United States is saying some nice things. Um, and, I, and I think that's good. Uh, but at some point we need to let General Flynn get on with his life. Um, he's taken an exorbitant amount of financial hit. Uh, he's been put through the ringer. He's going to have a difficult time. Uh, moving forward, and but I think it's t- totally unfair to the wheels uh, of justice. I, I just do. I, he, the judge in this case, I think is overstepping his bounds, and he ought to be very very careful.
4: Yeah, and Jonathan Tully writes: Judge Sullivan was previously criticized for jesting Flume would be charged with treason. He is now allowing third parties to make arguments in a criminal case. Uh, on an unopposed motion. In addition, he's exploring a charge that might be able to bring against Flynn. These extraordinary moves by court are increasingly discomforting. This is a single charge where significant jail time was neither warranted nor expected. The court's effort to import arguments and explore new charges could be raised as an appeal given the prior record. There comes a point where the court appears to be invested in punishment of a defendant and too active in creating alternatives to dismissal. As a criminal defense attorney, I find these moves unnerving, particularly when prosecutorial abuse has been raised by the DOJ and others. Uh, That's Jonathan Turley. He doesn't have a horse in this race. You back him up on that, I imagine.
3: Well, I'm smart enough not to uh, try to question uh, uh, Jonathan Turley. He's one of the smartest, brightest minds out there, and I think that is a fair and proper read of it. Uh, People could be frustrated and say, this, that, or the other. But let's also remember with, with uh, the, that, that uh, the general did not get all the information through the discovery process in order to mount his proper and thorough defense. And there's been huge question marks about how the FBI, the Department of Justice, put together those 302s, the investigative summary when they went and visited with him. I think the precursor is just not there in order to, the predicate, if you will, to actually go in and talk to General Flynn in the first place. And when the Department of Justice is saying, hey, we've reviewed this through an independent, you know, a person who's not political within DOJ, a 10-year veteran, a career person, and we've come to this conclusion, it's pretty cavalier of this judge to just try to blow past it.
4: All right, so let's blow past it uh, for now and talk about the unmasking, (laughs) Uh, the amount of unmasking The earliest uh, request was Sabantha Power on Mike Flynn, 1130. Uh, January 17th was the last, Joe Biden. Uh, In between the U.S. ambassador to Italy, where Joseph Mifsud was stationed, very interesting, he was the one who talked to Papadopoulos, four requests. Clapper had three requests. Uh, Comey and McDonough had one request each. What stands out about this process? Unmasking, not unusual, I understand.
3: Well, unfortunately, it's not. The number I heard yesterday, somebody said that it happens some 10,000 times uh, a year, which is an exorbitant amount of times from a a, a statute that is intended to protect um, and make it a rare occasion. Um, I heard Trey Cowdy this morning on Fox News talking about how somebody in the Obama-Biden administration did an unmasking the day of the inauguration before high noon, I mean, those are just highly suspicious. And when you have them in such a high quantity regarding General Flynn, uh, there's got to be a justification for that. Um, and, but I think that's what Durham is, is looking at. I think there's a reason why uh, Durham right. and Attorney General Barr are, are looking at this. I also, you know, the the Italy, uh, um, uh, Ambassador to Italy, why did he uncover it? I would ask, well, there were reports that the Attorney General went to Italy. I wonder if those are connected. I I don't have any evidence of that, but it is kind of suspicious that he goes to Italy, and this also has Italy uh, on it as well.
4: You might not be able to answer this, Rand Paul, couldn't either. If I want to do a masking uh, unmasking request, I'm a little concerned about whatever. I know there's this ambassador calling in to America, and we got redacted on the other side. Do I have to give a reason, or do I just need security clearance? And if I have to give a reason, wouldn't it be written down somewhere?
3: Um, my understanding is you don't have to actually have a reason. But there are certain people that are given that capability um, in order to do it. Now, there should be logs of this. Perhaps the most troubling thing that is the undercurrent here is ambassador power to the United, uh, United Nations saying that she didn't ask for these unmaskings. She was unaware of these unmaskings. But there were more than 20 times any other previous UN person, according to what I thought I heard Trey Gowdy say, she had requested unmaskings 20 times more often. And yet she claims that she didn't do it. So does that get her off the hook? Hey, I didn't do it. Did somebody go into her desk and grab the Samantha Power stamp but and just start stamping these things out? I mean, that's a huge
4: problem. could be
3: a worse problem. The,
4: I mean, there is. I mean, there is a shot that that did happen, that people did in her name, number one. Number two, it's not illegal. There's nothing that they did. They didn't break the law just by requesting. But it's suspicious how often, how many. Uh, and listen, but they were asked all about this. Go ahead.
3: I was going to say, but this is the list of suspects in the crime that was committed by leaking classified information and giving that out yes. to the media. So if you're going to actually pursue what was a crime here, what was a crime is giving this information to somebody who doesn't have a, cl- a security clearance. Have we seen this show before, Brian? How many times in the last, I don't know how many years, I've been yelling and screaming about the need to prosecute people who give classified information information is somebody who doesn't have a security clearance. They'd never do it over there at the DOJ.
4: Yeah. And by the way, it's not like these questions weren't asked. The question is, did they get answers? Here's John Brennan on May 23rd, 2017. Cut four.
8: Do you recall any U.S. ambassadors asking that names be unmasked? I don't. I don't know. Uh, Maybe uh, it's
11: ringing a vague uh, bell,
7: but I'm not. I could not answer with any confidence.
4: Right. Uh, that is uh, John right, Maybe a vague bell. I'm really going to struggle here and pretend to think hard. You knew exactly. And by the way, as we get into the Papadopoulos start of that story, he's in London. When you go international, it's not an FBI story. It's a CIA story.
3: Right. I do think at the end of this, uh, when you get to Burr and, and or get to uh, Bar and Durham, you're going to see that th- that Clapper and Brennan are right in the heart and the thick of this. That is just my guessing. That is my my projection of I think of of what will happen down the road. But I think a lot of this, the reason the DNC, Hillary Clinton, put this money uh in through Mark Elias that went overseas is that they could bypass a lot of these things that they thought in the United States and that Hillary Clinton would win and nobody would see it anyway. Um that is not a far leap. Uh Trey Gowdy was asking a very specific question because he knew exactly what the answer was. Um, and he, I think, knows that the other people knew those answers as well because the answer was yes. It was clearly yes.
4: I think so. Uh, and listen to the other networks, they are really outraged by this. Cut 10. The Trump
2: administration trying to exact revenge on enemies. It doesn't show us that anybody who shouldn't have had access to this information was getting access to it. We lived through this in
7: 2016 with how the president tries to smear and use innuendo innuendo against his opponents. In
9: the current environment, given what's going on in the country, I think is really a disgraceful uh, abuse of the declassification system.
3: What does it say to you that the president, who's been in office now for more than three years, uh, that he's still obsessing? over president obama and president
7: obama is a favorite pinata if you will for the current president of the united states because it stokes up his face it could be nefarious and that's what troubles me and the pattern we see with this administration
4: they don't even acknowledge it it's president trump's distraction believe me he's still talking pandemic but it, the people that are obsessed with russia for two and a half years are now saying why do you care about russia
3: well i gotta tell you first of all it vindicates Devin Nunes and what the House Republicans there on the Intel Committee said at the very beginning and what they did, Devin Nunes had laid it all out. He had put the warnings out there in 2017. It's relevant today because they're trying to sentence General Flynn, um, and there's a reason why the Flynn defense attorney, particularly uh, Sidney Powell, has been trying to get this information To defend her client, the FBI and the Department of Justice have not been forthcoming in providing those documents. And then when we actually see those documents, something you think Democrats would also be equally interested in, they just show a pattern of abuse and an ambush in the White House that is not favorable to the Democratic narrative. So of course they want to blow this off and say, oh there's nothing to see here, when we're seeing some of the most revealing damning things that we have ever seen a previous right. administration due to the current administration.
4: And the last thing, I'm up against a break. What if they sincerely thought that Trump was compromised by Russia? Would they? Is this the way you handle it?
3: Well, then they need to be forthright about it. But when you go in and look at what was actually said in the transcript, there's nothing there. And so the more we Got see, me. the more we I realize, know. what in the world were they doing? And why didn't they give a defensive briefing to President, incoming President Donald Trump. That bothers me as much as anything. They should have given him a defensive briefing.
4: The closest they got was that conversation at Trump Tower when he said they told him about the dossier. Uh, thanks so much, Jason. Hopefully we'll get answers and no more speculation uh, very soon. Appreciate it. Jason Chaffetz, great job. 1-866-408-7669. Your time uh, to begin on the phone and let the nation hear what you have to say. And then we go out to uh, Pete Hegseth. Who didn't even have to get up today because it doesn't work till Saturday?
0: It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From
1: his mouth to, to your, ears, your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
5: It's even worse
7: than this. I mean, You're only seeing uh, the folks that unmasked General Flynn. The reality is there were a whole lot of other Americans on the Trump transition team
8: that were unmasked. And those need to be made public also.
4: That is Devin Nunes. He was ahead of the game. He was uh, briefly suspended uh, while he was investigating and came back. And everything that he said happened, happened. And the California congressman has been vindicated, but he's not dancing around. He thinks there's more to come. And that's what I'm going to do. I am so tempted to look at this and say there's something nefarious going on. And you know what? My gut tells me there was. I just don't know it yet. And I'm waiting to see. Being that unmasking is not illegal and not unconstitutional, but leaking it is, and we don't know who leaked it to Dave Ignatius, who, by the way, I blew it. I talked to him about his book, and it wasn't. I wasn't thinking about the Flynn case. Um, here's what... Senator Grassley wrote, at this point, I have no business alleging anything because all I know is the names that are on there. He'll have to answer that. There may not be anything that would be wrong with it. We don't know. And he released it. He's been very judgmental. And if he's going to wait, I'm going to wait. But I'm going to continue to present an extremely strong case. And if I'm Donald Trump, I am beside myself uh, thinking I'm trying to get off the ground here. I'm trying to Uh, I'm trying to get my administration off and running, and instead there's people working behind the scenes to hurt me. 97.1, we have Mike in St. Louis. Hey,
5: Mike. Hey, Brian. You know, all of this outrage, this supposed outrage, by people including Obama about the prospect of General Flynn being let go on dismissal of charges, uh, Obama is not only must have been out smoking weed when they covered uh, the meaning of uh, perjury in Harvard Law School, But
6: he's conveniently forgetting that he pardoned one of his own insider generals, James um, uh, Cartwright. Yeah, Cartwright, uh, Cartwright, exactly,
5: for the exact same offense for giving false information to the FBI
6: over a much more egregious offense, which was leaking classified information. Now, they didn't pin him to the, the actual leak of classified information that they were investigating,
5: but he misled them about giving classified information to Newsweek.
4: Yeah, there's something about Flynn that got under the president's skin. You know, Petraeus was in controversy. He was ousted. McChrystal controversy with the Rolling Stone. He was ousted. Michael Flynn, he was ousted. James Mattis, he was ousted. That president did not get along with any generals. And for whatever reason. But Flynn especially got under his skin. And I'm very curious why he would use his time with President Trump to say Flynn's a bad guy.
0: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News channels Shannon Bream sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the High Court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com America's listening to Fox News
1: A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
8: Do you think your critics want you to keep it closed going into the election? Yeah, I do. I do. I think it's a it's a political thing. In addition, uh, I think because some they're states, saying you're putting money, uh, business ahead of lives. Yeah, no, no. Uh, I think the people that want to see the right thing happen, they agree with me. We have to get our country open. You know, it was up to some people. Let's keep it closed for a long time the United States go down the tube's not gonna happen never gonna happen oh, on my watch
4: 36 million people unemployed they think it's going to go up to 25 percent and the president you're wondering why the president is pushing to open up the country responsibly also he knows where it works South Carolina Florida uh, Texas and uh, and now Georgia it's beginning to work and there's unrest in Hawaii there's unrest in Pennsylvania unrest in Illinois there's unrest in California. And believe me, if Andrew Cuomo goes as slow as he seems, there's going to be a lot of arrests in New York and certainly in New Jersey getting a lot of calls. With me right now is Pete Hegseth, Fox & Friends Weekend co-host, but he's also the author of an upcoming book, comes out next week, American Crusade, our fight to stay free. But basically, you you take on this question, which I often think about but don't write about, Pete. Is this the last gasp of America the way we knew it? Or is this saving America from a left-wing green group Uh, that wants to take us the wrong direction.
5: What do you think? Yeah, socialist tidal wave. You're exactly right, Brian. Thanks for having me. You know, I wrote the book before all this COVID-19 stuff, but it's so applicable to this moment as well. Freedom is extremely fragile. And you've got a lot of leftists in charge who love their power. Uh, They believe in one-size-fits-all application. They hate President Trump because of the, the electoral miracle he had in 2016, and they want to do everything to prevent that in 2020. So you add that all up, and as free citizens, it doesn't surprise me what you just said, Brian, all of these states where people are starting to say, this is a free country, I can use common sense. Even in New Jersey, Brian, where I'm at, and I know you're in New York, I mean, I drove past four businesses where I could have purchased something to go to Target, to wait in a line that was a football field long, to go through the very same cash registers that everyone else was going to, and then walked out into a packed parking lot. But I drove by empty parking lots where smaller stores could have very responsibly reopened with social distancing and provide for livelihoods. The more we know about this virus, Brian, the more we know who it affects. And guess what? It wasn't the experts who were elected to lead us. Yes, we need to listen to the medical professionals. I get it. But it was our elected officials who are who are ch- charged with the balance between civil liberties and health. And in this case, it's crushing livelihoods. And it's, the answer is simple. It's, it's what I write about in the book American Crusade as well. It's personal responsibility. It's common sense. It's Understanding that rights are endowed from God, not from government, and this is a perfect crystallization of that moment, Brian. How fragile this free country is, and and how differently you know freedom lovers look at it from leftists.
4: Yeah, Wisconsin Supreme Court struck down the governor's stay-at-home order that he tried to extend past May 13th. So now it's game on. Uh, Governor Tony Evers, a Democrat, took over for Scott Walker in a four-three decision. Well, now Wisconsin. ITS will be allowed to uh, suffer or thrive under their own devices. And I'm looking at this number, Pete. Over 100,000 small businesses have closed forever over the last six weeks, despite all the money we're sending out. We can't let that happen.
5: We can't. That's 100,000 souls. That's 100,000 people who poured their livelihoods into a business that not just employed themselves and maybe members of their family, but also how many? Five, 10, 20, 35 people whose livelihoods were attached to that, and they're never coming back. That's why the president is precisely correct to start to say, we got to move on from the initial health phase now that we've learned a lot, and we have to reopen uh, quickly. And if the, if the Democrats want to Play political games with funding that they can do that. But I think the best bailout you can give right now is common sense and freedom for people to open their own businesses responsibly. People are not dumb. That's also a big difference between the left and us lovers of freedom. We respect people enough to give them choice as opposed to mandate for them how they need to live their life. Hmm. And 2020 is going to be huge, Brian. That's what I write about. It is literally a showdown. The, the politics is the last place where. Where, where freedom lovers, where conservatives still win in the culture, in, in social media, in our schools, in higher, higher uh, academia, businesses that are fully woke, the military that's politically correct. The left has infected most of our institutions in the country. If we can win in 2020, we've got a chance to claw some of that back for four more years.
4: Is that, what, is that Did you have to go into your research, less history, more news that you've been covering
5: all over the channel? Uh, Both. You know, I I think, listen, we're doomed to repeat history if we don't study it, and that's why the stuff you do is so critically important and why the solution that I talk about in the book front and center, A number one for people who love this country is education, is our government schools, is what are our kids learning? And this COVID-19 moment gives us a chance to, are our kids actually learning real civics, not social studies, manufactured garbage, not common core stuff, but real history, the real beginnings of America, why America is exceptional, what our founders understood about human nature, what the, the real enduring battle is between free people and fascism and communism and socialism socialism, all the things that have now infected the Democrat Party. I mean, JFK would be a conservative Republican today if you look at how he applied our first principles. So I think you have to do both. And you do it so well, better than anybody, Brian, pulling out history and making it relevant today to remind people that the American experiment is just that, an experiment in human freedom if we can keep it.
4: Now, President, two people all President Trump and you. President Trump was a Democrat, and most of the people he was donating to for a while were Democrats, going in New York City, you know, owning yep. buildings and dealing with politicians. It was you, when you first came out, you weren't a Trump guy, right? Talk no. about how those worlds met.
5: Uh, it, I write about that a lot in the book Because I wrote a book four years ago, Brian, called In the Arena Which was which was a, sort of a more straightforward application of how we stay free And then the whole Trump moment happened And you're right, the start of my second chapter in the book starts with Hi, my name is Pete Hegseth, and I was almost a never-Trumper And I explain my conversion from sort of the establishment thinking To the way Donald Trump fought we, He fights in ways that Republicans have never in the past He took on political Correctness directly I call him the See something Say something President He said all the things That we were thinking Deep down inside But the blanket Of political correctness Told us We couldn't say And so a lot of us Drew what I also call uh, Grew what I also call A Trump spine We finally figured out You gotta fight back Against these leftists Who control everything And when you do People will rally behind you And that's why we see I think one of the greatest Political phenomenons We've ever seen Before COVID-19 Brian and I had the chance To go to all these rallies It's unbelievable it's like nothing you've ever seen, the depth of connection that regular people have to this billionaire former Democrat president who now, his compass is America. That's what America first really is. So I think he, Donald Trump woke a lot of us up to the depth of the establishment, to globalism, uh, and and how much we've sold out our companies overseas and not putting America first. It's motivating. So the book is, set, is basically saying, here's how we put the pedal to the metal at this moment uh, to, to to advance the gains that president Trump has made and save our country.
4: Yeah. uh, Very interesting. So the book's going to be
5: out uh, next Tuesday, right? Yes. I'll be on your show, Brian, on Tuesday, I think yapping about it. Uh,
4: uh, Yeah. On Fox and friends and hopefully uh, on, on this show uh, too. I hope so. Uh, So, so Pete, very interesting poll came out that plays to your book in that, you know, Donald Trump, like with Hillary Clinton is losing in the national poll and he lost the national vote. Right. However, this CNN poll also found, in 16 battleground states, President Trump is winning each and every one of them. So I know it's early, and both both sides aren't campaigning. It, do you see, a, even in the middle of a pandemic, do you see a pattern?
5: Very much so. I mean, listen, I think our, our own polling uh, at Fox has been off often because national polling polls are tough to gauge because you're, you're, you may be oversampling Democrats or you're getting a lot from states that are obviously going to go for a Democrat in, in blue countries. But when you focus on where the map matters... The president's support is deep. This is what I saw also going out to these diners. People who voted for him love him more today than they did on day one. People who voted for him reluctantly are now strong supporters. I mean, the president tweets all the time about his approval rating in the Republican Party, and most on the left dismiss it. But a 96%, 97% approval rating amongst your own party is almost unheard of. There's usually factions of people dissatisfied with the president. Overall, they are behind him. And I think if you look at the alternative of Joe Biden in his basement Now bringing on Ocasio-Cortez to be his Green New Deal advisor, you're looking at a guy who's effectively a vessel for all the worst ideas of the left, and he's going to try to say, I would have done it differently, except he's been soft on China and the president's been hard on China. So I'm not surprised by those numbers one bit. In fact, I think they're the first real glimpse of of the fight that's ahead. The president has a great opportunity. It will depend on how this COVID-19 thing goes, how he continues to navigate it, Uh, but I know he's leaning forward on it.
4: Yeah, he definitely is. Now you have a whistleblower going out today uh, condemning the president's start. uh, So expect that to lead on CNN. The other thing that's going on, too, is the Michael Flynn situation and the unmasking. Now, I'm waiting to see where this is going, because I guess you can unmask at a dizzying rate in our country. But what the agenda was and what they really thought and the fact that Michael Flynn, a three-star general, lieutenant general, now has to go have this retired judge judge him on whether he should be brought up on perjury. Guys like Jonathan Turley have said, I have never seen this before or heard of this before. What
5: does that tell you? What it tells you is this judge uh, has it out for the president. I think that's very fair to say. Uh, What I what it also what it tells you is look at how the media is covering the Michael Flynn things as well. It's only been the Fox News channel that's been honest about it. And when you look at all of those unmaskings, all for one person, all those different people doing it with different reasons to do it, this thing has the potential to continue unraveling. Joe Biden's answer was terrible when you saw him asked about it. First, he denied it. Then he pretended he was confused, except maybe he was confused. And then he sort of acknowledged that he had a role in it these guys at the very top knew about it they hated michael flynn cuz he was a truth teller about the rise of isis i mean this guy michael flynn he's been serving our country since i was 1 year old when i was 1 he raised his right hand and became a second lieutenant in the army this guy the last person who's selling out our country to russia is michael flynn they created a characterization they entrapped him and it was all because they wanted to go after donald trump and they can't let go of it it's their only their only thing is that trump was illegitimately elected he's a russian agent he needed help Bob Mueller's our, our savior. And to see that all unravel sort of totally shakes their worldview, which means leftists will never acknowledge it, and their media outlets will never, never acknowledge it. But the truth eventually comes out. And with, with Bill Barr and John Durham involved, I think you know this one judge we have is one moment of being, having an unprecedented amount of, of power in a biased way, but the overarching uh, trajectory of this thing is heading in the president's direction.
4: Yeah. Here's the president weighing in on Joe Biden asking to unmask a week before he left office in 2016. Cut one.
8: Well, the unmasking is a massive. uh, It's a massive thing. It's uh, I just got a list. It's it's who can believe a thing like this. And I watched Biden yesterday on Good Morning America. He has no idea. He knows nothing about anything, nothing at all. And then it gets released today that he was a big unmasker. So how do you know nothing if you're one of the unmaskers?
4: Uh, can Crazy. we fast forward Unmask to the debate line?
8: Yeah,
5: I know. <laughs>
8: because
4: fast forward to is, the debate, and when they can campaign. Campaign.
5: Well, yeah, and I I don't think it's a good look for Joe Biden to continue sitting in his basement. Uh, saying, I'm just going to listen. I mean, that's his political play also. He's basically saying, listen, Donald Trump's rejecting the health experts. I'm going to listen to them. Uh, and I think list, by listening to him means keeping states locked down for months on months on end. I don't think that works politically well for Biden either. Trump is, is an optimist in chief right now. He wants people to get back to work. That number you talked about, 100,000 businesses permanently shut, those are also voters uh, who are going to look around and say, you know, who fought to try to reopen? So where this cuts politically remains to be seen, but the president's support is really, really deep because he's tapped into a, a love of America that people still have of our country. We don't want China to rise and us to decline. Uh, we, we believe that manufacturing can come back. We think voting should happen, um, you know, without without ballot harvesting. I mean, that's a scary thing about 2020. You've got to prevent the Democrats from doing what they want, making excuses for a different kind of voting system, which would be problematic.
4: He is uh, Pete Hegseth. The name of the book uh, is American Crusade, Our Fight to Stay Free. Pete, good luck. I'll talk to you next week, but good luck in the pre-sale. If you go to Amazon, make sure you don't order the Kindle. Order the hardback they tried evidently, Amazon cannot ship anymore, so they're making the Kindle the first choice. Pay attention to it. I just found that out, too. So, Pete, talk to you soon. Congratulations. In fact, I think I'm going to be on with you this weekend talking about Sam Houston. Awesome. You're the man, Brian. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. All right. Go get him. Back in, back in a second. 1-866-408-7669.
1: You're with Brian Kilmeade. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: It is as dangerous today as it was the first day that it arrived in our cities and our country. So quite frankly, there's no so-called open state or open country that doesn't continue to have health orders. We've never been fully closed. We'll never be completely open until we have a cure.
4: Los Angeles Mayor Garcetti getting blowback for saying he's not opening up till August People are going crazy in California, and they're as liberal as they come, especially in Los Angeles. It is just overkill, and that's why even in Hawaii, they have reached their, uh, their last nerve. Joining us now, uh, well, I'm going to take your calls at one 408 7669 and I'm just talking to a lot of people owning restaurants. Uh, they don't have much more time. In New York, they're just basically done. They are done, because people are forgiving the rent for now, but they're not forgetting it. You got to pay it eventually. So why are you going to sit there and get buried in debt? Maybe they're going to say, "Listen, it's time for me to walk away." Uh, Joel is listening in Scranton, Pennsylvania, on ninety four three. Hey, Joel.
9: Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Um, I'm uh, affiliated with a group called Reopen PA, uh, just as a volunteer, and we're. I just wanted to get the details out about a rally we're having tomorrow in Harrisburg at the Capitol Steps. Uh, RSVP on Facebook. Uh, the Facebook group is official. Harrisburg Reopen PA Rally. And we're trying to push back against the governor in his intimidation of counties and businesses uh, throughout the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania.
4: Yeah, your governor is out of control. I'll take your liquor license away. I'll deny you federal funds. We just talked to Condiment Kinsey. That's not allowed. If the federal government gives money to states, uh, to the state to give to counties, you can't deny it.
9: I'm trying to remind people that you have the right to exercise, uh, you, you have the right to exercise, uh, the right to buy and sell. You don't need the permission of the governor to do that. And so I'm personally encouraging civil disobedience, patronize quote unquote non essential businesses that are open. It's wrong that I can buy candles at a dollar store down the street, but not at the fam, small Absolutely. family owned store down the block. So please, everybody in Pennsylvania, get out to Harrisburg at noon tomorrow. Capitol Steps all right. it's going to be a big rally. And we also have just uh, make it, satellite make it, rallies Joel, going on. All
4: right. Okay. I understand there's about 20 different counties that are unrest pushing back against, uh, up against their uh, governor who doesn't have, who has a one size fits all policy. So Joel, no violence, just rise up and speak out. Uh, thanks so much for calling. Keep it here this hour. Go to BrianKilmead.com. Order Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, now on paperback. If you want it signed and personalized for anything, Memorial Day, for Father's Day, uh, there's a button there to do it. And I'll go to my local bookstore, which, by the way, isn't open. I can go in the back door and I can sign it and we can send it out. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And keep it here. Brian
8: Kilmead Show.